Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors in over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. At Lone Star. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. There was a woman who was in deep, deep turmoil of spirit. The scriptures tell us that the Lord had closed her womb, and we know from reading the story of Hannah that he had done this to provoke her to pray and to give to him, to give to the Lord that which he wanted from her. He wanted a man, a godly man. He wanted little boy Samuel. It was a time when righteous men were very rare. And God needed a leader of Israel. Because the men who were there refused to be leaders in Israel. And so God had to move in a very unusual way to bring about a leader. Now we find the story of Eli, the high priest. He's the one we need to focus on. Eli is sitting at the tabernacle and Hannah comes weeping crying out to God silently in her heart. She was out of words. She'd said everything she could say. And this man, Eli, sees her, and without any spiritual eyes, no discernment, he's blind. He rebukes her. How long will you keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. This is 1 Samuel, the first chapter. Well, she's in great anguish, and she says, Don't take your servant for a wicked woman. I've not been drinking beer or wine. I'm pouring out my soul to the Lord. I'm praying out of great anguish and grief. And Eli just flips her a religious answer. Go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you've asked of him. He has no spiritual discernment. 
But God does answer her prayer, and she does give birth to a little boy. And she brings that little boy back when he's weaned and gives him to the Lord God of heaven to serve in the tabernacle. We find the story in First Samuel, second chapter. Eli has two sons. He's the priest. He's the high priest. The tabernacle is in Shiloh. But these two sons are wicked men. Now, in our modern day, we don't like to call someone a wicked person. We don't like to identify a sinner. Yesterday, I talked to sinners. We're uncomfortable with that. We want to schmooze a little bit. We want to be tolerant. We want to accept everybody as they are. Well, these two young men are wicked men. They're married, but they have no regard for the Lord. In fact, these two young men are desecrating the altar of God. They are demanding the meat that they desire, the filet mignon, and they're sharing it with daddy. They don't want boiled meat. They want raw meat that they can roast over the fire, put it on their grill. They threaten to take the meat by force if the people don't give it to them. And this sin is very great before the Lord's eyes. They are treating the offerings given to God with contempt. Now, the contrast is that this little boy, Samuel, is ministering before the Lord. He's wearing a linen ephod. He's dressed like a priest. Each year, his mother makes him a new outfit and brings it and gives it to him. And this little boy is growing up in the presence of God. And he is not touched by the wickedness of these two sons of Eli. I don't know how that's possible, except that he was untouched. He was preserved by the Holy Spirit. He doesn't drink with them as he grows up. He doesn't play with them. Now, Eli... He was getting reports about what his sons were doing. He was hearing that they were committing adultery with the women who served at the tabernacle. Women who would come to clean. Women who would come to serve. And they were committing adultery and fornication with these women. And Eli finally says to his sons, this is... uh, 1 Samuel, the second chapter, verse 23. Why do you do such things? I hear from all the people about these wicked deeds of yours. No, my sons. It's not a good report I hear spreading among the Lord's people. If a man sins against 
another man, God may mediate for him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? But he was a toothless old man. He would not call sin by its name. He was afraid of displeasing and perhaps cutting off his supply of filet. They would not listen to their father's rebuke. And meanwhile, the boy continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with men. It's like Jesus growing up. Now in verse 27, a man of God, that's the only way he's identified. I wish I could be identified only as a man of God. I can't think of any title that would be more honoring to a man and yet less deserved for only God is holy. But this man shared in God's holiness, not in his glory, but in his holiness. And he comes and he speaks a very straight word to the chief priest, the high priest of the nation of Israel. And he speaks this word. The Lord says, Did I not clearly reveal myself to your father's house when they were in Egypt under Pharaoh? I chose your father out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to go up to my altar, to burn incense, and to wear an ephod. I also gave your father's house all the offerings made with fire by the Israelites. Why do you scorn my sacrifice and offerings that I prescribed for my dwelling? Why do you honor your sons more than me by fattening yourself on the choice parts of every offering made by the people of Israel? Therefore, the Lord, the God of Israel, declares, I promise that your house and your father's house would minister before me forever. But now the Lord declares, Far be it from me, those who honor me I will honor, but those who despise me will be disdained. And the strength of your father's house, so that there will not be an old man in your family line, and you will see distress in my dwellings. Although good will be done to Israel in your family line, there will never be an old man. Every one of you that I do not cut off from my altar will be spared only to blind your eyes with tears and to grieve your heart, and all your descendants will die in the prime of life. And what happens to your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, will be a sign to you. They will both die on the same day. I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart and my mind. Now we know that that faithful priest that was raised up, his name was Jesus. Now, Eli has heard the word of the Lord. What will he do with that word? What are his options? 
Well, one of the options is to do nothing and to say, whatever the Lord wills, that's that's okay. He has another option. He could get angry and leave the priesthood. He doesn't have to remain as a priest. He can walk away. Or he has another choice. He can bow his face down to the ground and he can begin to confess his sin. Now we can walk away from the word of the Lord and we can pretend we did not hear it and try to resume some kind of normal life. Many of you are doing that day by day. You ignore the word of the Lord. You are not concerned because of the sin of your life. In fact, you don't even see it as sin anymore. You have all the right religious words. You have the right religious customs. But you live in your sin. The coldness of your heart, the lukewarmness of your spirit, And God does not speak to you. The scriptures are not alive to you. In fact, it's been a long time since you sat down and just enjoyed reading the word of God and praying and crying out for this nation. Or for your family. Or for any other sinner. You've grown fat and lazy in your spirit. Now Eli has the option of getting on his face and confessing his sin. If he gets on his face and he confesses his sin, what must he do then? Well, then he has to repent. Well, I thought confession was repentance. No, it's not. Confession is not the same as repentance. Repentance means to turn aside from my sin. Confession is simply I am telling you exactly what my heart condition is. I'm telling you exactly the sin that I've been participating in. I am saying I am sorry. But we have to repent. We have to turn our heart and give our affections back to God. What would this mean for Eli? It would mean he would have to get on his face, confess his sin before Almighty God, plead for the mercy of God that this terrible curse that's been spoken by this prophet against him will not in fact come to pass. But then he has to get up and go fire his boys. He has to go and remove his sons from the priesthood. Well, how are they How are they going to support themselves? I can't just fire my boys. They're my boys. 
God has said, I'm going to kill your boys. But he doesn't want to fire them. Well, come on. He doesn't want to cut off his supply of fresh meat. He doesn't want to affect his lifestyle. So he's not willing to go fire his boys. If you today were to get serious before the mighty and holy God of heaven, if you were to bow before Jesus today, and after you have confessed all of your sin, what would you have to do? Well, you might have to stop committing fornication, and that's going to certainly cause trouble in, in Israel. You might have to confess lies and go to the person you've lied to and tell them your lie and make restitution. You might have to return things to work that you have stolen, pens, pencils, office supplies, you might have to do a whole number of things. Are you willing to do that? We can't simply go before God and say, Oh, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry. No, then we have to act on that sorry by repenting and turning from our sin, leaving it saying, I'm finished with it. No more gossip. No more pretend. No more bitterness. No more judgment. I'm done. I walk away. I cut it off. The prophet has been very clear. This is what is going to happen to you. And God does not say if. He says, this is what's going to happen to you. But we know there is an if in it because time passes and nothing happens until one night Samuel is lying down in the tabernacle and in that tabernacle He hears a voice. A voice calling. Samuel. He quickly answers, Here I am. And he ran to where Eli was sleeping and he said, You called me. Here I am. Eli says, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. So he went back and laid down on his on his mat. Again, the Lord said, Samuel. Samuel got up and he went to Eli and he said, Here I am. You called me. Why isn't God calling Eli? Why is God calling this young little boy instead of speaking to his wonderful priest? Because his priest doesn't have ears to hear the word of God anymore. All he knows are the rituals of his sacrificial system 
and the rules of the house, but he doesn't know the living God who lives in Shekinah glory over the Ark of the Covenant. He is out of relationship with the holy God of heaven. I'm terrified for some of you today, for you're afraid to call sin by its right name. You'll sit down for hours and feast on the television. You'll sit down for hours and play some wicked video game. You will go to wherever you choose to go, whatever nightclub happens to be attractive. You'll sit for hours and, and gamble and drink. Some of you will, without any thought, smoke your marijuana, do your drugs, God doesn't talk to you. You notice I'm including now sinners with people who don't think they're sinners. People who are religious but don't know Jesus. Eli again says, Samuel, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. And the scriptures say that Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. Has the word of the Lord been revealed to you yet? Are you still like Eli, living on the fat of the land, and God doesn't speak to you and you don't read the word. You just go through your religious motions. Finally, a third time, the Lord called Samuel. He again went to Eli. Here I am, you called me. After three times, Eli finally begins to catch on he realized that it was the Lord calling the boy. Look, it's been so long since Eli has heard the word of the Lord that he doesn't even recognize when God begins to call the little boy Samuel. So he said, go lie down, Samuel, and this time say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went back and lay down. But this time the Lord actually comes and stands beside Samuel. He's not calling out of the distance. He's standing, the scriptures say, beside his pallet. Samuel, Samuel, speak for your servant is listening. Why isn't this Eli saying, Lord, speak, your servant is listening. Because Eli wasn't listening anymore to God. He was comfortable in his wickedness and in his sin. He was comfortable without revival. Revival was right there at the door for Eli. He could have started a great revival in all of Israel. But instead... He closed his heart. He would not repent of his sin because it would cost him his sons. He said, the price is too great. I'm not going to do this. 
What is God calling you to listen to and to do? And the price is just too great because it offends your religious pride. Or it offends what you love to do and what you've made excuses for year after year. The Lord said to Samuel, this is First Samuel, the third chapter, verse 11. See, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears of it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from the beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons made themselves contemptible Or they blasphemed God, and he failed to stop them, or refrained from stopping them. Therefore I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. You see, there was a period of time that was open for Eli to repent. I want to tell you today, you are now living in a period of time where you can repent of your sin, stop playing games with God, and get serious about revival in your own heart that will spread to your family and will spread to your church or your community. You have an opportunity to begin repenting before God changing the direction of your life, calling sin by its name. You're now living in that period of time. And some of you will declare, oh, I'm, I'm fine. I'm, and you know all the religious lingo. I'm fine. I'm on track to go to heaven. I'm saved with no recognition of your own sin. Some of you know what your sin is. It's very clear to you what your sin is. You're living in that period of time where God's judgment has been spoken. You yet have time to repent. But you must take advantage of it now or the final pronouncement against you will be made. And you will meet the fires of hell. You will you will die. The next morning, first thing Eli calls Samuel. He speaks a, a word of endearment to encourage Samuel. He says, Samuel, my son, here I am. What was it he said to you? Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. Why does he care what God said to him? He's ignored everything God has said to this point. The final judgment is now spoken. Let me read to you the response that Eli makes. It absolutely breaks my heart. 
Eli says, He is the Lord, let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord cannot do what's good in his eyes. Eli has blocked God from doing what is good in God's eyes. God wants to save his priest Eli. God does not want to pronounce a curse upon his precious high priest. But Eli's behavior prevents God from doing the wonderful work of blessing, of revival, that God wants to do in Israel. He is blocking God. Not a good idea. Some of you today are blocking God because you will not repent. You will not turn from your wickedness. You think you can get away with it and that God will save you anyway. He will not. Now the scriptures tell us that there were not many words of the Lord in that day. There were not many visions in that day. In other words, God had been blocked out by sin. Philistines come. There is war. 30,000 Israelites die. The Ark of the Covenant is captured. And Hophni and Phinehas both die at the sword of a Philistine. The Ark of the God of Heaven is taken to the Philistine camp. He hears the outcry as the messenger comes reporting the news and he says, What has happened? The man tells him that his sons are dead. And then he tells him that the Ark of the Covenant has been taken. Eli now shows for the first time remorse. He falls backward off his chair and he breaks his neck and he dies. He was a fat old man. Oh, if only he had shown that concern when the first prophet of God came and, re and caused him to be repentant of his sins. If only he had repented. Now he has great concern because the ark of the God of heaven has been taken by the Philistines and he dies. breaks my heart. Do you have any concern today about the word of God? Have you repented of your sin? Revelation 21. I'll begin reading for you at verse 6. It is done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. 
He who overcomes will inherit all this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. That's the offer God is making to you, but you're going to have to fire your wicked sons or whomever you are supporting in wickedness. You're going to have to repent and quickly. Now he says, but the cowardly, that is literally those who are timid, who are fearful, who have a sense of dread in their heart that prevents them from dealing honestly with the living God of heaven. They're called cowardly. The unbelieving, the vile. The word vile in the Greek is the same word used for those who stink, those who are disgusting, detestable. the murders, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts. Literally, magic arts means a prisoner of drugs. A pharmacist, someone who is involved with drugging. Those who are smoking dope. Those who are drinking and getting drunk on alcohol. Those who are doing coke or whatever drug or pharmaceutical is the one of your choice to escape reality. He's saying their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. The idolaters and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. There is no recovery from this death. It is an eternal death in the fire of God. Now, if you turn the page with me, Chapter 22. Behold, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. Jesus is absolutely clear in the messages to the seven churches. And he's absolutely clear now in the last verses of Revelation 22. He has said it through his earthly ministry that he is going to reward and deal with every person according to what you do. Look at your schedule. Look at what you're planning to do this weekend. Look at what you've done this week. All of this is being recorded in the heavenly courts. 
it is a fantasy to think that when Jesus looks at you, he doesn't see you, but he sees himself. He is the judge of the earth. All judgment is now residing in the hands of Jesus Christ. And he is going to judge you based on what you have done. Have you surrendered? Have you been consecrated? Have you entered the narrow gate? Have you given yourself utterly over to Jesus Christ? Have you been born from above? Most people who call themselves Christians today and other people who call themselves pagans or universalists, atheists, agnostics, list every sinner, all have excuses for why they believe they are justified in what they do. If you ask a man what happens when a man dies, they'll say, well, I know, most will say, I know that's not the end, and I believe I'm going to a better place. Well, what's your evidence that you're going to go to a better place? Have you prepared to go to that place now by how you are behaving currently? Or have you walked in the wickedness of your soul, feasting on the things of darkness and the devil? Some of you who call yourselves Christians, if you were taken to heaven, you would be so bored, you would soon ask if you could leave. There's not going to be a Redskin football program in heaven. There's not going to be a baseball program in heaven. You're not going to have violent video games or probably any kind of video game when you go to heaven. Heaven is not about technology. Heaven is about relationships with the living God of heaven and with the brothers and sisters who have been consecrated before us. A great cloud of witnesses are watching. What are you going to do? He says, my reward is with me and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. What will your reward be when you reach that judgment bar of God? There will be a reward there for every man and every woman. Those who have utterly died to self, who have given up all ambition and all self, who have died to this flesh and to this world, and who have given everything into the hand of Jesus, their reward will be different than the man who has been religious but who has maintained his own flesh life and played games with righteousness and holiness and walked in sin before Almighty God. Many on that day, Jesus said, will say unto me, Lord, Lord, did we not do? And maybe you were the church lady. Maybe you were on all the committees and, and you were on all the projects and you were doing all the good things in church, but on the side, you loved the things of darkness. If someone were to cut you open today and see what was inside of you, would they find a snake or a toad? 
would they find some unclean thing residing in you? Or have you been washed in the blood of Jesus and made into a new creature? What is your spiritual condition today? He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life. Now let me take you back quickly to Revelation 19. I'll begin reading with verse 7. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. We find that this robe is their robe washed in the blood of Jesus. Blessed are those who wash their robes. Their robes, not Jesus' robe. And the righteous acts actions of the saints they have the right to the tree of life and they go through the gates into the city but outside are the dogs outside are the unclean in that culture dogs were utterly unclean they were not house pets they were scavengers grabbing what they could grab Those who practice magic arts, that is, those who are drugging, who are into the occult, wykens, witches, they're all included as a part of those who are drugging, who are drunk, alcoholics, the sexually immoral, the murders. Jesus said, if you hate in your heart, you're a murderer. The idolaters, those who have put everything ahead of God. Everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root, the offspring of David, the bright and morning star, the spirit and the bride. The Spirit and the righteous church, the bride of Christ, say, Come. And let him who hears say, Come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. That's for you today. You don't have to stay in your sin. But like Eli, you can if you choose. And the final judgment of God will come upon your life and you will be facing eternal fire. Let's make it very straight like the scriptures makes it straight. You cannot continue to walk in your sin and have any expectation of entering into eternal life. You have to leave your sin now. Today is the day of salvation. My heart especially goes out for those of you who filled with 
and Eli's spirit had grown fat and lazy. You don't want to inconvenience yourself. And I have to say honestly, I am looking for those men and women who are willing to inconvenience themselves and become prayer intercessors for revival in America and revival in this great city of Washington. I'm looking for those who will give sacrificially of their resources that this radio broadcast calling to holiness can remain on the air. We are here by faith and at the pleasure of Jesus alone. I'm looking for men and women who will leave their sin, who will repent, who will not continue in the fat and happy Eli way, but who will stop and say, I will do what you've told me to do, Jesus. Right now, would you make a covenant to leave your sin? And will you make a covenant to take the actions necessary for some of you That's to go right now and flush your marijuana down the toilet. For some of you, that's to go take your alcohol and open the bottles and pour it down the drain. For some of you, it's to clean your bookshelves out of the wicked movies and videos. For some of you, it's to get rid of books and magazines that are filthy and dirty. For some of you, it's to get rid of the foreign gods you've put in your house. For some of you, it's to return what you've stolen. For some of you, it's to repent to your wife or your husband for how you've treated them. For some of you who are children, it's for you to repent to mom and dad and tell them what you've really been doing and stop the parties and stop the anger whatever it is you've been doing that you know is against the will of the living God of heaven are you willing now to say I'm done I want Jesus I want this washing of my robe I want the tree of life I want the water of life. I want Jesus. Will you begin now to confess your sin before Jesus and then will you take the action necessary to say, I'm going to be righteous. And if you need a place to come where you can confess and be prayed for and be encouraged in your walk of repentance, come this Sunday to the National Prayer Chapel. You will be hearing a message, a sermon, straight from the Word of God that will call you to holiness, that will encourage you in the walk with Jesus. We are about revival at the National Prayer Chapel. We're located at the All Saints Anglican Church in Woodbridge, Virginia. Woodbridge, Virginia? That's a long way away. Heaven's a long way away, and it's a journey, isn't it? Hell's not too far away, though. 
That door's gaping right where you're at if you don't leave your sin. We're located in Woodbridge, Virginia. I'm going to give you the address. Jot it down. Ask the Lord. Pray. Confess. Start getting right. If you need help, come. We'll pray for you. The address is 14851 Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22192. Now, I also need men and women who will stand with me, who will give. This month is almost over, and we are several thousand dollars from being able to pay the radio bill for this month. I'm waiting for God to move in your heart. Would you step forward and help us by writing to me the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Or go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com. There you'll find podcasts to download. You'll find messages that will help you. You'll also find a donate button. doesn't matter what country you're in or what state you're in. You can click that donate button and on PayPal you can donate. Would you give today? Almighty God, I lift up every man and woman, boy and girl, who has listened to this broadcast. Would you let not one of them choose the road of Eli, dying in the last moment with a heart filled with grief, who would not repent, who would not turn aside, who brought a curse on his whole family. Lord, cause your people to repent today. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your mighty name. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley. You can come worship with us this Sunday at 12 noon at the All Saints Anglican Church. I'll look for you. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. Lots of channels. Nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525.